What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to like and share these online messages with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. We hope it's very helpful. We have people tuning in from all over the place. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us through generosity by giving online and meeting our new $10 challenge, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. That allows us to help more people, love more people, feed more people, and serve more people. At our last food pantry that we just had, we fed 1,400 people, all because of you worshiping with us through generosity. Thank you so very much for doing that. Also, right after my message, stay tuned for the amazing Water's Edge Band. Also, both of our live in-person services are back open with a full experience, nursery, kids church, cafe, the band, teaching time. It's amazing. We cannot wait to see you back live and in person. Come on back and join us. Today, we continue with our current series, and this series is called The Roommate. Has anyone ever had a bad roommate? Like maybe in college, they didn't pay their bills on time, if ever. They never cleaned up their messes. But you got to understand something, that in this series, we're talking about possibly the worst roommate that you and I have ever had. But in this series, we're not talking about someone else as our roommate possibly the worst roommate that we've ever had. But in this series, we're talking about that roommate that I'm always going to have and that you're always going to have that will absolutely never, ever, ever move out. Because in this series, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about learning to live with ourself, coming face to face with ourself. What's on the inside? Facing our issues, facing our storms, facing our battles, facing our uncertainties, facing our, uh, facing our worries and coming face to face with who we are and the giants that we need to go to battle against. And so the roommate in this series is you and I learning to live with ourselves. Now, in this series, we started off talking about this, that if you want to live in future peace instead of major, major future regret, then we need to see a few things and we need to understand a few things. And the first thing is this, and again, remember this today. We pointed this out last week. If you leave your current self unprotected and unattended to, then your future self is capable of anything. Your future self is capable of a ton of regret and a ton of guilt and a ton of shame and losing your peace if you don't take care of and protect and attend to your current self. And then we all know this. Once this starts to happen in our life, we slowly, slowly, slowly start to make excuses for how we are, how we are, and for who we are, and how we conduct ourselves, and how we act and react, and the decisions that we make, and then we slowly start to accept those excuses and believe that those excuses are valid. But let me point something else out, and this is what it is, and remember this today. Everyone who experiences major regret at one time in their life believed that this could never happen to them. At one time in their life, they were asking this question about other people after they saw them fall down and bite the dust. How could they do that? How could they live with themselves? How could they cover this up for so long? How could they hide this for so long? How could they live with themselves knowing that as if to say, I could never live with myself. My faith and my conscience would never let me get away with that if I tried to get away with what they were getting away with or do with what they did until one day when you accepted your excuses as being valid 
And then one day people were asking the same question about you. When you stopped attending to and protecting your current self, then one day your future self ended up this way. And people were asking this question about you. How could you live with yourself? And this happens because, again, we leave our current self unprotected and unattended to. And that's really what this series is about, the roommate. And notice this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. This is what the roommate series is about. What are the three main habits that can guide and safeguard your future self? Three main habits to make sure that what you show people on the outside is who you really are on the inside. Three main habits to make sure that your future self doesn't end up living in future regret and great shame and great guilt, but that your future self ends up living in great peace. Last week, we talked about the first habit to safeguard and protect and attend to your current self, and that was daily surrender through inner and personal worship. But today we move on with part two. And in this series, it's about these disciplines, these three habits These three Jesus disciplines to make sure that what the world actually sees on the outside of you is who you really are on the inside. Because in this series, we're actually learning this. We're learning that the health of your soul determines the gap between who you are and who you pretend to be. It determines the gap. If you have a healthy soul, if you have a healthy faith, if you're constantly attending to and protecting your heart, then the gap between who you are and who you should be, the gap between who you are and who you pretend to be just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But if you don't constantly take care and attend to and safeguard your current heart, your current mind, your current emotions, and your current faith, then the gap between who you are And who you want to be, the distance between who you are and who you pretend to be just grows greater and greater and greater. Now, I had these certain rules to follow when I was growing up. And this is what I call these rules. And notice this today. Rules that build a fence. Like when I was growing up, my parents set these types of rules that I couldn't go to certain people's houses because of what those kids were allowed to do and what they were not allowed to do. I couldn't go to certain dances. I couldn't watch certain TV shows shows, listen to certain types of music, and those rules that build a fence were meant to protect me from doing other things that were much worse. You can't go to those places, you can't go to those types of events, you can't watch those certain types of things or listen to those certain types of things, because if you do, it may lead you to do greater things that's going to cause much regret and much guilt and much shame in your life and in your future. So I grew up with these small rules that were intended to help protect me and keep me from breaking the big bad rules. Fence rules are created to let you know that you're getting too close, dangerously too close to breaking the major rules, the big rules. So what I learned to do is this in front of my parents. I just learned to hide when I was breaking those little fence rules. I learned to modify my behavior in front of them to avoid punishment. And this is 
what we call behavior modification. But in reality, all I was doing was staying away from certain actions in front of them to avoid certain punishments. It's like when the state trooper pulls you over for speeding, you tell him that you're late for something, he lets you go with a warning, he leaves, and, and as soon as they get out of your eyesight, you start speeding again. This is not a change of heart. All this is is behavior modification in public to avoid certain consequences and certain reactions. And we do this all the time, and in many different ways, we practice behavior modification. We modify our behavior to get dates. We modify our behavior on job interviews. We modify our behavior when we're around certain groups of people, maybe people that we work with, people that we go to church with, certain family members, certain groups of friends. We modify our behavior all the time to protect our outward image. When I was in college, me and my little brother Ryan and some of our friends, we started a worship band. It was a band that we would travel around and we would do youth events, youth revivals, youth camps, all kind of stuff in schools, cafes, things like that. We wrote our own music and we would travel around and God would use this band to do youth events and all those types of things, revivals. We would do revivals, all kind of stuff. Well, there was this older guy that became friends with some of the guys in our band. We were all very young, either in high school about to graduate or we were young and in college. And this guy was older than us. And he worked with youth in college at another church. He was about seven to eight years older than we are. And he became close to some of the young men in our band. And one of my good friends in particular got close to this older guy. Well, a few, a few years later, this guy gets married and all that kind of stuff. And then a few years after that, it comes out and he gets arrested for abusing some of the children that was in his ministry, for abusing some of the teenagers that was in his ministry. He got arrested and he went to jail. And one of my good friends that was in the band with me that was really, really close to this guy, this guy would travel around to all of our concerts. He was always hanging out with us, always coming to our concerts. If we went to North Louisiana, he came with us. So he was kind of close to us and he was very close to one of my best friends. And after this all came out, I asked one of my good friends, hey man, did did you notice any of this? Did you see any of this coming? Were there any red flags? And this is what he said. He goes, I never saw this coming. I never saw any of this. This was so shocking to me because I never saw that side of him. And again, he asked that same question. How could he live with himself? And we pointed this out last week that many times we look at what other people are doing and how they're living a double life and we think, how could they live with themselves? And we think, I could never do that. But the truth is this, yes, you can if you leave your current self unprotected. Your future self is capable of anything if you leave your current self unattended to and unprotected. Now today, we look at another Jesus habit that can help safeguard our future self. And today we go to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the fair the religious leaders in the days of Jesus in this scene that we're about to look at, they're extremely upset with Jesus. And the reason why they're upset with Jesus is because they accuse Jesus and his disciples of not keeping something called the tradition of the elders. And this is what the tradition of the elders was. It was a bunch of fence rules that they created to help keep their people from breaking the original rules and the original laws of God. They claimed that this was passed down after generation, after generation, after generation. 
All these fence rules, rules that build a fence. And this was called the tradition of the elders. One example was this. God's law was to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's a day of worship and a day of rest. And you can't do any work on the Sabbath day. Well, that meant that you couldn't conduct any business. So the religious leaders created this tradition of the elders, these fence rules that said you couldn't even touch money on the Sabbath day. You couldn't even touch money. Because if you did, you were getting really close to breaking God's original rules. So they set these fence rules around the big rules. Another one was this. You couldn't do any physical work on the Sabbath day. So they made this rule that you couldn't even clip your toenails and bring those clippings up a staircase. That's too close to doing work. And then they would push these small rules onto other people and make them feel guilty because they couldn't carry that load. In order for them to be holy, they had to be be careful what they put inside their mouth. Something else was this. They had to be careful that they were not eating something that was unclean. They had to be very, very careful from what they put inside their mouth. And so the religious leaders came up with these very traditional and very strict hand-washing ceremonies that every good religious Jew had to go through before they ate anything. And these Pharisees noticed that the disciples of Jesus were not doing this. They were not thoroughly washing their hands to make sure that everything they put inside their mouth was clean so they could be pleasing to God. And then Jesus has a response. We pick up today in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived in Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say that they don't need, that no one needs to honor their parents and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions you hypocrites Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commandments of God these fence rules then Jesus called to the crowd to come near to hear and listen and he said and try to understand it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you you're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Understand what Jesus is trying to say right here. What you eat, what you put inside of your body is not really what defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart that tells the world and tells other people who you really are. And you think that your outward rules make you holy and make you pleasing to God. But what you don't understand was this, was that God's Old Testament laws were not given so people could keep them and please God. God gave his Old Testament laws so he could protect people from future regret and losing their peace. But these religious leaders in the days 
days of Jesus made their rules, their religious fencing rules, more important. They made their religion more important than people. And that pushed people away from God. We've done the same thing today. Understand something today that you are much more important than religious rules and church rules are to God. God loves you more than tradition. He loves you more than religion. He loves you more than denomination. He loves you more than church rules. He loves you more than legalism. And He loves you more than other people's interpretations of the Bible. He loves you more. And this was the point of Jesus in this story. And remember this today and notice this. It's what comes out of you that determines who you really are. It's the words and the actions that come out of your heart. It's the reactions and the choices and the decisions that come out of your heart. It's the impulses and the love or the hate, the patience or the anger that comes out of your heart that decide who you really are. And all of this originates from inside of you. It all originates from inside of your heart. And many times this can hurt other people. Listen, everything that you do that hurts other people begins with a thought. It begins in your heart. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you because most of the time it doesn't stay there. How we talk about and how we treat other people reflects on the condition of our heart and of our soul. And so again, the first habit to safeguard your future self and to give your future self peace is surrender. But the second habit is this, and notice this today. Remember this. Habit number two is monitor your heart. We have conditioned ourselves to mainly pay attention to our outside behavior and to manage our outside behavior, but we rarely pay attention to what's growing and what's going on on the inside of us in our heart. And always, always, always pay attention to what's brewing and what's growing in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. Where is your guilt and your anger and your greed and your bitterness taking you? Pay attention to that, how it's growing. Where is it leading you? This is where to a future filled with regret. If you've made a mess and don't deal with it in your heart, then you're just going to make a greater mess because your inside heart leaks. It leaks out onto the other people and onto the world around you. The desires, the excuses, the projections, the hurt, the jealousy, the anger, the guilt, the purpose, the significance, the faith, and the joy, it all leaks out from your heart onto the other people and onto the world around you. It leaks out from your heart into your behaviors. So let me ask you this. Notice this today. What is it in your life right now that you've accepted as a personality trait, but in reality, it's a weakness and a storm that you need to overcome? That bitterness and that anger is not who you are. That habit, that pattern that selfishness, that weakness, that storm is not who you are. It's what you're called to defeat and what you're called to overcome. Next question, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Could you get to a place in your life where you lived a peaceful life and a loving life and a life of seeking God and serving God, not because you're afraid of the consequences, but because you're thankful and you're grateful? Religion will teach you to modify your behavior with outside rules if you want God to accept you and to love you. But that's not why we love God and that's not why we live for God. We don't do that to avoid certain consequences. We love God and we serve God and 
and we live for God and we serve God by loving people and serving people because we're thankful and we're grateful for mercy, for grace, forgiveness, and for the cross. And then through surrender, we deny ourselves or we deny what is growing in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls that can pull us away from God and our future peaceful self. Understand, self-denial is not so God can see you as someone who's really trying to be holy and please God. Self-denial is for your ultimate safety and for your future protection. It'll keep you safe and it'll protect you from too much shame. It'll protect you from too much guilt. It'll protect you from too much regret. It'll protect you from what greed does to you. It'll protect you from what selfishness does to you. It'll protect you from what jealousy and what bitterness does to you. It'll protect you from you being your worst enemy. And this is why we actually deny ourselves and crucify ourselves to protect our faith and our future peace. Not so God will love us more. We must learn how to monitor our heart more than simply trying to manage our outside behavior. Monitor what your heart tells you about the people that have hurt you. Monitor what your heart tells you about the people that are different than you. Monitor what your heart tells you about those excuses that you're creating to justify certain behaviors and certain decisions. Monitor what your heart tells you about the latest gossip that's really none of your business. Monitor what your heart tells you about those choices and those decisions. Monitor what your heart tells you about not treating people with respect and love and trying to justify that. How your heart tries to get you to prove your point and justify proving your point. Monitor that. Monitor what your heart is telling you and the excuses it's creating for your habits and your patterns and your past. Monitor your heart and when it's trying to tell you to worry about all those things that you can do nothing about and always pay more attention to what's growing and brewing in your soul than just trying to manage your outside behavior and what you're trying to show people. Now, as we move on and as we finish today, I want to give you a filter. And this is actually, this filter is a great way to monitor everything that flows through your heart. Question number one is this, and remember this today. Will this produce peace or regret in my future? If I act on what's growing and brewing in my heart right now, where is it going to lead me in the future? Future peace or future regret? Number two, will this help or hurt my integrity? Maybe you can talk, talk yourself into it. Maybe you can justify it. And maybe you can make a decent excuse for it that everyone will accept. But at the end of the day, is it right? And is it going to build your character? Is it right? And will it build your character? And then question number three, if I act on what's in my heart right now, is this the wise and the mature thing to do? This thought and this impulse, is it wise is it mature? This reaction and this action, this choice, this decision, is it wise? Is it mature? This conversation, this excuse, this justification, is it wise and is it mature? Because if not, it'll absolutely lead you to a future of regret and not peace. Daily. Daily surrender to worship God through inner and personal seeking and intimacy with God. And this inner personal worship will always lead you to monitor your heart. Daily surrender through worship and daily monitor your heart. And these two habits will help you attend to and safeguard your current self so your future self ends up living in great peace instead of great regret. 
Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for this determines the course of life. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Psalm 73.26, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Matthew 5.8, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Luke 6.45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What we say flows from what's in our heart. Habit number one, daily surrender through daily worship. Habit number two, monitor your heart. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us today. Now stay tuned for the amazing Water's Edge Band. We cannot wait to see you back next week.